All right, welcome to the next podcast. I'm Mark Bruno, the Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And here on the next podcast, we talk about one thing and one thing only, and that is the future of wealth management. I could not think of a better person genuinely than our guest that we have here today to talk about what the most successful firms in the wealth management industry will look like in the future. Our special guest today is Shannon Spotswood, the president of RFG Advisory and a friend of wealthmanagement.com. Shannon, it's great to see you and hear from you again. Oh, it's so great to be here, Mark. And uh, what a fantastic way to wrap up 2022 and start thinking about the future. Yeah, tell me about it. There's still a few weeks left in 2022, so not quite a wrap, but we're getting there. Um, it's been a really eventful year. Um, we've talked a lot throughout the course of the year on various podcasts and webinars. Um, and I think, you know, I cannot wait to dive in and get your perspective on some of the game changers that have emerged in 2022 and how it will influence the future of advice. Before we do, well, I know you well and a lot of our listeners do. Could you just spend a, a minute talking a little bit about who RFG Advisory is and the types of clients that you work with? Absolutely. RFG Advisory is a platform for independent financial advisors. And what really sets us apart is we are obsessed with creating a culture that amplifies an advisor's true independence and helps them build enterprise value on their own personal balance sheet. So we're a service company first, we're a technology company second, and we're actually an RIA third. So we uh, we really do love to live at the tip of the spear of innovation and disruption and thinking about what is really going to help an advisor going forward to have that very deep, highly personalized experience for their clients, grow their prospect and convert, you know, and really be able to tap into this tremendous disruptive change that's blowing through the industry, whether it's the generational wealth transfer, whether it's the amount of wealth that will be controlled by women whether it's the changing expectations of the Gen Z, the millennials, and what they're looking for from their financial advisor. So we're a platform, we're a team that's united by a warrior spirit and a servant mindset. And what we love more than anything is truly helping advisors to be independent. Love it. And I think we've had a lot of conversations about the future and your position as service, technology, and advice all in one gives you a great lens. Um, and that's why I appreciate you spending some time with us. Let's just jump right into some of these game changers, right? We know that 2022 has been one of the most remarkable years in the last 10, 20, maybe even last 50 years, just looking at where markets are, where interest rates are. And we are in a very different place today than we were just one year ago. Um, we were on a webinar not long ago where we were talking about it might be a bear market, but it is very much a bull market for advice. Um, so what I'd love to get into with you a little bit more is while there's been a ton of disruption and we're in a very different place, you know, not a better place today than we were a year ago, um, it has created some incredible opportunities for advisors. What's top of the list when you look at opportunities that you know, some of our listeners should be thinking about and acting on for 2023? Well, I think you're 100% right. You know, whenever there is a spike in volatility, that that just naturally translates into a greater fear factor in the marketplace. And where there is fear, there is the need for advice. People will turn to sources of comfort, sources of expertise to help them really allay that that fear. And as as you know, you've got all the the research. The number one fear that keeps people staring at the ceiling at night is money. And so having this, you know, this incredible volatility, both at a 
what I'd call it a core societal level with what we all live through with the global pandemic and then rolling that straight into uh, you know the some of the most volatile markets that we've seen in in the last really since the financial crisis is it is it is showing everyone that scary face of fear but what is really i think different about this moment is that advisors have woken up to the behavioral aspect and the life coaching aspect of their practices and I say that because advisors, their superpower, what they're so great at is connecting on a very deep and intimate level with their clients. You know, we advisors are are asking their clients to show up. They're really helping them to identify their goals and their values and then construct a financial plan. But for the most part, with the exception of, I would call a very small sliver of the industry, most advisors, that's their comfort zone, right? They're going to they're gonna ask these questions around values and goals, and they're going to build this financial plan, but it is going to stay very quantitative in nature. And what has happened over the course of the last two years since we all kind of March 16th kind of changed the world and we all, we all went home into our virtual worlds and then have reemerged is that there is no separation anymore between what is my life? What is my work? What are my values? How am I prioritizing my time? And all of that is now bleeding together and really raising the bar for what is expected from an exceptional advisor in terms of being able to deliver an experience that feels very different than it did in January of 2020. It is a, it is a different skill set. It's a different construction of roles and responsibilities on an advisor's team. It's a different approach to branding and marketing. It's a much more honest look in the mirror about advisor vulnerability and showing up authentically in the workplace. And I honestly think, Mark, that we're in like the very, very beginning. I'm terrible with my sports analogies, as, as my partners will attest to, but we're it's in the okay. very, very beginning of they the work. first inning of what this is going to mean for our industry. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think if we look at where we are today, it probably reflects the wealth management model of the last 10, 20 years, right? Where 1% of the population can afford advice and that's who has access to it. And that's it. If 1% is the first inning, right? Um, I think we're about to step into the second inning. And you mentioned, obviously, you know, post-pandemic, people living in their virtual worlds. Yeah, that's opened up so many new opportunities for advisors to do business with clients to build right. relationships with clients yep. just about anywhere, right? That in and of itself would be a game changer. You add on a lot of the disruption that we've seen over the last you know, 12 months, right? And that need for professional guidance. I'm curious, we've seen these macro opportunities emerge, but are there specific sleeves or specific pockets, whether it's with client types or certain demographics or services, right? Um, that are emerging right now as the most sort of specific short-term opportunities heading into 2023. I think the first, like most obvious of them, and while it's not compliance approved, I will call this the TikToking of uh, messaging. The, you know, what has been so interesting, it started with reality TV and then it really was turned up in steroids when everyone was home during the pandemic, mm -hmm. is that this like 
this very, you know, very spur of the moment content that's being created, whether it's in TikTok or it's in YouTube, and it's just real people expressing themselves in a way about whatever subject matter is that they're, that they are passionate about. And then there's this tremendous consumption audience for it. Well, that has only just started to influence the way that advisors are thinking about branding and marketing. And one of the biggest trends that I think is just that is taking shape and is going to have a very, very like obvious heavy hand on those advisors that are really beating the, you know, not only beating the, the, the hopeful, uh, percent, you know, positive increase in terms of their growth, but is really going to allow advisors to be growing at that 30, 40, 50% level is being able to take their, you know, their practice and look at it through a lens of a marketing experience. Mm -hmm. And advisors tend to think of marketing as like, okay, I'm going to send out a newsletter and I'm going to share market commentary and maybe I'll film a holiday video. And, and that's kind of where I am comfort zone wise. And then you might go a little bit further out from there and do some more education but there's very few advisors who've really been willing to spend the time to say, what are my mission vision values? Why are my clients working with me? How can I really express not only who I am authentically, but the authenticity of the experience that my clients are having with me? And how do I capture all of that in my onboarding, in my branding, in my messaging, in my marketing, in the way that I show up in this digital world? Because what's so exciting about this kind of new era is that one, it's not just your digital marketing. It's not just your email campaigns. It extends to how do clients feel when they do meet you in the office or they do receive the client gift and the personalized swag or they show up for a client event. It, it takes this like viewpoint on experience into a completely different level of engagement and what that engagement will translate into is actually, I believe, a higher level of referability. So we can't just rely. I think the era is over for advisors just relying on their clients to refer them because they've done a great job. Like it's done. Sorry. End of story. Mm. If you're mm. not doing more to really deliver something that feels different that expresses your values, that shows your clients why they want to hang out with you outside the office, they're just not going to be inspired to refer you. But if you can really wow them at all facets of that, from onboarding to the communication, to the interaction with your team, to the gifts, to the events, to the digital presence, now you're in the like, I can't wait to be your advocate. And so I think that that referral game is really changing on the back of everything that we've experienced over the last couple of years. There is no, I, I you know, and it's, it, that's why I feel like we're in the early innings of this because it still certainly exists, mm -hmm. but I really find it hard to believe that there is a tremendous amount of passion around the advisor client relationship. If there hasn't been an intentional investment in cultivating it and crafting it. I think you mentioned whether it's TikTok or podcast or multimedia as being a critical tool. I, I couldn't agree more. We just had the last next podcast with Jason Pereira talking a little bit about you know, his podcast. And the one thing that I would leave with our audience, you know, it doesn't have to be so complicated. It's just an extension of their traditional process. What happens with a podcast 
for example, is they feel like they know you, right? Before they've right. actually met you. Um, and what's the first thing when somebody needs to find something where they're doing research, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to Google it, right? So right. if any of our listeners are out there, Google yourself, right? See where your firm comes up. If you haven't done it in a little while, see how frequently your firm comes up and then Google and see what happens. And I think, you know, not everybody can do what you do, Shannon. Obviously you're very prolific. You're very good at what you do, but it's just an example of, you know, how do you, how are you one casting a wider net, right? So that you can be found yeah. and two found for the right reasons, right? Um, yeah. So great pieces of advice there, right? And, and Mark, I do have a, a very- I, I yeah, want to add one, one, um, one additional point, which I think is really important and it speaks to culture. People want to work with people who share their values and it's gone is also kind of the era of the people on your team are replaceable or they're just doing the job. There needs to be aspiration and inspiration in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So advisors and owners, you know, the, the founders of these firms, the advisors who are really in the leadership positions have to look at their teams, not with the names of the people who are in the seat, but with the roles and responsibilities of the, the experience that they want to deliver. And they need to really be specific about, you know, does my, you know, director of client experience, do they need to have a marketing background? Does my, you know, off, does my admin actually need to have a higher degree of aptitude and energy around learning new disruptive technologies and bringing proactive idea ideation to the table? So really starting to think about like, I'm not just going to keep rolling down the road with the same people in the same seats, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I think that's another big thing. And it's, and it's true on the, on the other side of the table as well. Team members, employees are expecting more. Everyone's realized how valuable their time is and really what a gift we all are living right now. So you want to surround yourself with people who Know, help you to really be a force multiplier. You want to be able to show up authentically at work and you want to do challenging work that actually makes a difference in someone's lives. And advisors are in a really unique position because at the end of the day, what they do is so beneficial to so many people. So there's a lot of room to think like, okay, this person has been my admin for however many mm -hmm. years, but I've micromanage them and I've never really given them the opportunity to be creative. Like it's time to, it's time to do that. Mm. It's time to really, more. you know, like everybody to raise their game. I think you mentioned, I was about to ask you a question on you know, structure and skills right before you shared that. And I'd like to maybe just go a little bit deeper. You talked about a director of client experience. I guarantee you less than 2% of the people who are listening to this episode, their firm has a director of client experience, right? Um, they should absolutely be thinking about it, right? I think that that is when we've looked at some of our research at the top of the list, right? When we ask, why do you invest in technology? The number one reason is usually deliver a better client experience. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about some of the roles that you've been adding, some of the roles that you will be adding, right? That will put you in a position to deliver on a lot of the opportunities that you've talked about in the podcast so far. Well, and what I, what I'm going to try and do with that, like we're building services to scale a platform, but I think everything that we're doing advisors can 
look at that and think, how can I replicate this within my own business? So the first thing that I'm going to touch on is really the admin role. I, you know, I'm an outsider to the industry. I didn't grow up on the retail side of the business. I grew up on the institutional side of the business. So some of this comes from having a little bit of a, a an outsider's lens on things. But if you sit down with an advisor, within five minutes, you will hear a list of grievances about their team and their admins and kind of what's going on. And we really built a, you know, a program that we're really proud of, of winning the wealthy for mm -hmm. called RFG assist. And the idea behind RFG assist was let us take this admin responsibility off of an advisor's shoulders, but let's take it all the way off of their shoulders. Let's do the hiring, the job description, the mentoring, the coaching. Mm -hmm. Let's do the, the professional career development. Let's have a really a cohort of accountability and support. And the, the mantra that we apply to RFG assist is every admin should be a force multiplier for their advisors. They should be showing up with proactive ideas for designing workflows, for thinking about the cadence of onboarding, for how can we leverage video for communication. They're getting constantly trained on all facets of the business, all the tech tools, all the solutions that advisors can pull, the levers that they can pull in order to deliver that it, that experience highly personalized at scale. So the first place really to start is kind of cracking open that advisor admin and sure. getting out of like, I'm just going to process this paperwork. And the most important thing that you do, and this is important, but it's not the only thing is be accurate and be nice to my clients. That's really been the bar that's been expected yeah. of admins. And it's, sure. there's, there's a huge amount of greenfield space to be able to turn them into like engines of growth for an advisor's practice. The second is on branding and marketing. One of the, the, the mistakes that we see consistently that advisors are trying to solve and why they're joining our, our, our practice is advisors, are, they're great at writing down on a whiteboard everything that they need. And then they kind of look around the room and they're like, oh, hey, you, can you do X, Y, and Z and, right. you know, A, B, and C and all of, meeting. you know, and everything in between. And now you've taken this person whose skill set might be nurturing client relationships and you've asked them to become implementers of innovation and change around branding and marketing. So it's just like this impossible unicorn yeah. um, desire. Like, I don't want to invest in the right people. I don't want to spend the money in branding and marketing. I want to make it happen with just the people I have on the bus. It's, it's an impossible problem mm -hmm. to solve, which is why advisors are ultimately either frustrated by their client experience or they're frustrated by their tech or they're frustrated by their marketing because guess what? It all costs money. And if you want to grow your business 20% a year, 30% a year, 40% a year, you're going to have to start allocating significant dollars to whatever is your priority. It doesn't mean you have to spend on all of those things all at once. Mm -hmm. But it does mean if I want my client experience to just be like the four seasons, you know, having just come from market council and like, there's a reason the four seasons is so amazing, then I'm going to have to invest in that client experience. I'm going to have to not just like throw up an event at the local steakhouse. Like I'm going to have to really curate what is, what is that emotional experience? Just like 
it's kind of the love affair that you have when you throw a dinner party. Like you really are thoughtful about who you're inviting and the food you're serving and the flowers and the candles and the lighting. The same is true of an advisor's experience with their clients. So whether it's client experience, tech or marketing, it is prioritizing what is on your, you know, must have list to drive your practice, serve your clients and close those prospects. And then be, you know, you're not investing 1% of revenue, you're investing eight to 12% of revenue. Mm -hmm. Because you not only have to hire people, but if you hire a director of marketing, you have to give them a budget. A budget. Too, right? <laughs> so right. there's that. Right? And then you have to have the patience to know that the ROI on this, you know, I love, you know, and it's funny, my, my business partner, our founder of RFG and I were just having this conversation and he was sharing, like, it took him a long time to trust. It took him a long time to trust when I would say to him, I can't quantify the ROI. It, there's a last dollar attribution. And I can't tell you exactly, is it that advisor joined us because of our marketing? That advisor joined us because of our event. That advisor joined us because of our tech. I can give you a broad-based brushstroke of ROI, but I can't do last mile attribution on ROI. There's an element of trust and investment in our businesses that we just have to we just have to have and we just have to make. I couldn't agree more. I love the ideas. Two thoughts. One, uh, instead of calling them admins, we call them force multipliers. Two, I have to get invited to one of your dinner parties because you put a lot more thought into yours than I do into <laughs> mine. And three, right, it's just a, a closing thought here. I think you've touched on you know, some very important considerations. I think um, you, the one piece you sort of ended on was that everybody can't do everything, right? right. Um, so as we're heading into 2023 and people are putting their strategic plans into practice right now, um, and they're just plans right now, uh, yeah. as they're looking at all the options, looking at all the opportunities, what recommendations, what guidance do you have for them to how to figure out, you know, what's the one thing you should focus on and really get right? It's such a great question. I've been reflecting so I love the end of the year. Like, give me a time of like reflection and goal setting. It's like, ah, it's the best. So I've really been thinking a lot about this and it, it stems from conversations that we have within our, our partnership group as we think about serving advisors. And this is the advice that I would give. The first one is you have to be, as the founder, as the leader, as the owner of the business, as the advisor in the seat, you have to be obsessed. You have to be obsessed. You have to be obsessed with your culture. You have to be obsessed with what you're building. And in order to be obsessed, you have to be passionate. And in order to be passionate, you have to have your time properly aligned. If an advisor or a founder or whoever is kind of leading the firm is overwhelmed by all the non-revenue generating tasks and all the stuff that is energy depleting for them, they're not going to be passionate and they're not going to be obsessed. And as a result, they won't have a clear lens as to what should I prioritize? They're like, I want it all because I'm mm -hmm. overwhelmed and frustrated and I'm not really in my zone. You know, I love that zone of genius. I'm not really yeah. living like I'm obsessed with growing RFG's platform and serving enterprise, you know, serving independent advisors to build enterprise value on their own personal balance sheet. I'm obsessed by it. I could talk about it all day long. I jump out of bed. Our team feels the same way. We're like, but that's because I have my time really properly prioritized. My business partner who is an advisor, and this is such a great piece of advice. He spends a third of his time on his practice and he has a very large practice. A third of his time on his practice, a third of his time is the CEO of RFG and a third of his time in business development and recruiting to platform. He spends a third of his time on his practice and it's a mm. large 
practice. So what has he done? He's surrounded himself with a team. He's really focused his time on the highest and best. And I'll tell you a third of his time he spends on his practice. Most of that time is spent passion prospecting. He's out bird hunting with his clients or he's out golfing with his clients. He's doing what sparks his joy. So I would say in order to think about prioritizing marketing, tech, team development, the first thing is that long, hard look in the mirror. And is my time properly aligned to my priorities? And is it energizing me? That is not only a great piece of advice, but something that resonates with me heading into a new year too. And it's something that you have to force yourself to ask um, and no better time to do it than the end of the year when you're about to head in and you have a, a fresh and clean slate. Yeah. Well, and the hardest part about it, Mark, is not only do you have to like get deep in your journal or your, you know, whatever is your, you know, I love to, to walk. So whatever it is you do to clear your head into your exercise, you got to journal it. And then you got to have someone that you're going to say it out loud to. So you have an accountability partner and then you got to stop doing some things. Hmm. So there's a real intentionality of how you change your behavior if you're really going to be walking the walk on how you prioritize your time. You're giving me an idea for not like I need another podcast, right? <laughs> uh, but a lessons in leadership pod- podcast for the RIA industry. Um, but no, Shannon, I-, I mean it. Thank you very much, not just for the final note, but for being so generous with your time today and throughout the course of this year. Um, there are very few people that are as precise, as thoughtful, and as enthusiastic about all the opportunities right in front of us. I agree we're in the first inning. I also don't think it's a nine-inning game, right? Yeah. Um, I think this is a long game here. So, Shannon, thank you so much for stopping Thank by you, Mark. Podcast. It was a real honor to be here and a privilege uh, to be with you, as always. And again, it, it, the next podcast is about building the wealth management firm of the future the guidance, the advice, the talking points here that Shannon provided today, I think will provide a framework and a roadmap for many of our listeners. So on behalf of the wealth management team here at Informa Connect, again, I'm Mark Bruno, the managing director of the group. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. And we're looking forward to having everybody back on the next episode of the next podcast. Take care, everyone. 